appreciate Larry's reading this morning. He read uh, second second chapter of John. We're moving into the second chapter today. We're on just cover half of the book of, of the uh, chapter today about the wedding at Cana. the wrong button. Big button. Alright, got it. Maybe it's got a bad battery. Who knows? Jesus had just uh, had just uh, been baptized of John the Baptist chronologically. Uh, there's not specifically mentioned, I don't think, in that first chapter, but that's what had happened. And his ministry had started, and Andrew and Peter had become followers. Uh, then Philip and Nathaniel followed, and they were also followers. This handout we're we're getting here today. We're going to try to, to answer these by the lesson. I won't specifically go over the answers uh, as far as one by one or anything like that. But uh, this is more for a study guide for you maybe to take home and, and be able to answer after our lesson. Or if you want to as we go along, that's fine also. Um, okay, so this happened in Galilee. And we opened John 2... Uh, three days after Jesus had entered Galilee. We turn turn now to the first miracle that Jesus performed that's recorded, and it was uh, during his three-year ministry. Uh, Cana is in Galilee. It's of the tribe of Asher when they were dividing out the tribes back in the Old Testament book of uh, Joshua. It is believed that the wedding was uh, for for kinsmen of Jesus, since Jesus and his disciples attended, and his mother also attended, and his, and his uh, brothers. Uh, his mother Mary was responsible for the wine at the wedding. So um, there's no mention of Joseph, the father here, so many believe that he was already dead. Do something wrong, Chris. Meant to advance it. It's not going. Okay, there we go. All right. It's kind of hard to read there, but uh, okay. So we're talking about Jesus, the God-Man, uh, continuing what uh, Mike Mazalogno's uh, theme is for the Book of John. And this is uh, kind of an overview of uh, Paul's lesson of last week, the last few weeks. Jesus demonstrates his divinity and humanity and 
There's three strands. Strand one, John 1 is the Word, uh, came into the world with humanity in the flesh, even though Jesus was the Word that God had spoken in Genesis 1.26, where he said, let us make man in, in our image. Uh, so this is um, we, the strand uh, one, the divinity and humanity. Jesus prophesies in 47 through 51, and Je- it says Jesus knew Nathaniel was an Israelite who had no guile. And he prophesied greater things than this will occur. So we're, we're seeing the humanity of the flesh and the divinity, the ability to prophesy. In strand two, uh, John's prologue, as, as uh, Paul went over in one of his lessons, uh, Jesus was the Word, and uh, John the Baptist's testimony, uh, talking about that he was the forerunner, and he was not able to unlatch Jesus' uh, of, uh, sandals. The first disciples, Peter, Andrew, Philip, and Nathaniel, and um, the strand three is the rejection and disbelief there. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Uh, was said by Nathaniel. And that Jesus bore witness to, uh, to Nathaniel saying that he was the son of God when, uh, when, when uh, Jesus foretold Nathaniel's life. So Nathaniel replied you know, that he was the son of God. Uh, Jonah the prophet was from Nazareth, so that was not true that no good thing comes from Nazareth because Jonah had come from there. It was called Gath-Hefer, H-E-P-H-E-R in the Old Testament. It was the ancient name for um, Nazareth. And, of course, in Luke 4, 24, it says a prophet is not believed in his own country. Okay, there we go. Hitting the wrong button, I think, Chris. All right, um, I'm going to reread, even though uh, Larry had read it this morning, just this lesson's uh, scripture, which will be 1 through 12. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and the disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some of out now and take it to the master of the feast and they took it when the master of the feast had tasted the water uh, that was made wine and did not know where it had come from but the servants who had drawn the water did know the master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to him every man at the beginning sets out the good wine and when the guests have well drunk then the inferior wine but you have kept the good wine until now. Beginning of signs that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his, this, 
his disciples believed in him. And after this, he went to Capernaum. He, his mother, his brothers, and the disciples, and his disciples, and they did not tarry there many days. So this is a wedding feast, very different in this day and time. Back in this, these times, marriages usually were accompanied by festivals, and they were very joyous occasions, and uh, their life revolved around religion and family events all during these times. I mean, there was a, such a different time from now. It didn't have all of these devices and things to deal with that we have and all the distractions that we have. So a, a wedding was as it is now, but it was really so much so back then was a really big event. Um, legally, you were legally married at the betrothal, what they call the betrothal. And this was basically an engagement. But the husband and wife uh, would stay with the families. Uh, the mother, the, the, uh, the daughter would stay with their parents. The, the, the son would stay with his parents until the, until the actual marriage. Very similar to what we have going on now. The marriage festival could, could last anywhere from 7 to 14 days. It was uh, such a big event. So you can see where you'd have to have a lot of food and a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, drink for that. And uh, there was musical e events. They would, they would play the flutes and go down through the, you know, through the uh, streets. And there would be uh, just a big, it was a big event. Um, so it was the it was the signal of a conjugal life together. Or this is they are these these kids are about to come together, and there was these dowries and all of that sort of thing. I'm sure you know that a lot of that carried on way on up to just uh, recent times where there was a dowry that was needed by the uh, by the uh, spouse or by the uh, the, the woman uh, on the uh, wedding. And um, there was a wedding party, like I said, it lasted anywhere from 7 to 14 days. You know, um, Brother Ma Mazalago, when I was uh, studying this lesson, he said, you know, a lot of families now uh, on their Thanksgiving uh, would, you know, maybe more so back several years ago, back before, uh, you know, before in you know 30 40 years ago but there's a lot of people that would come in like um, Thanksgiving but not leave till you know Sunday or something to families houses and so it was very similar to something like that uh, where you'd have a lot of food and a lot of a lot of uh, drink for your uh, you know kin folks or whatever for those days of Thanksgiving or Christmas or something so this was, you know, taking that to an extreme, I guess you might say. Um, uh, the purification of the Jews, what does that mean? Well, there were six water pots that were normally used in, in purification washings by the Jews in temple worship before, you know, uh, animals, animals were sacrificed and that sort of thing. So this is what's meant by the purification of the Jews. Um, Anybody got any questions so far? We'll 
this is kind of just leading up to what, what's going to happen here. Uh, again, he has a slide that talks about uh, John 2, 1 through 3. And uh, we're talking about on the third day there was a wedding in Canaan. The mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and disciples were invited. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, but they have no wine. Okay. Jesus knew everything. He knows man's thoughts. He knows what's going to happen. He knew that the wine had run out. And he knew that this was going to really upset and embarrass his mother, and especially since apparently she was responsible for this, um, you know, for the, for the food and drink for this, um, for this uh, wedding. Um, he also knew that this, uh, this occasion could be used to glorify God by showing Jesus his power over nature. Uh, this being his first, um, his first uh, miracle, it would be to show power over nature. That's what this one was going to be about. There's going to be more, you know, his walking on the water and that sort of thing. But uh, later on in the book of John. Um, so here's where... Uh, Here's where uh, Cana is. It's um, uh, southwest of Capernaum, which is where Jesus grew up. Um, I read where that Jesus could have, and they don't know this for sure, could have uh, lived with Peter, and that's also where he was, where he lived. So you know that's uh, that's. The difference in the, where where the two places were, it's in Galilee, as we discussed a little bit earlier. And you see Nazareth down there, where uh, he had grew up as a carpenter, and uh, you know a carpenter's apprentice to Joseph there, where it was said that there was can any good thing come out of Nazareth. Uh, and then we go on to verse four. Jesus said to her, "Woman, what does that have to do with us?" My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Servants, whatever he says to you, do it. And he said to them, Draw out some water uh, now and take it to the head waiter. Yeah, I'm going to get. Right. Well, you know, Mary. Of course, the angel came to Mary when Jesus was uh, actually before he was born. Um, you know, to to her and said that he was going to be special. So she had already been imparted that knowledge. And uh, Mary, uh, Mary obviously had some faith here. And we'll kind of get into that a little bit here, uh, uh, Paul, because uh, basically uh, Mary knew that Jesus could solve this problem. Uh, the even though this is the New King James Version, um, a better way to have said this would be 
never mind, don't worry about this. I know Jesus can resolve this issue. My son can resolve this issue. Because that's how much faith she had. Uh, many have mistakenly thought that this meant uh, that uh, I'm going to obey you, Mary, because you're my mother. But that's not really what this meant. Uh, Jesus was basically saying that um, I've, I've got this. You know, that's one way we would say this. Well, I've got this. You know, this is going to be for the glorification of God, and I'm going to perform a miracle, and, I'm going to, and it's going to not embarrass you what's going to happen. In fact, it's going to bring glory to God. Um, so he had divine knowledge and knew that the wine had been drunk already and was just moving he wasn't just moving to, at the request of his mother he was way ahead of her so um, you know when I studied this lesson I actually this was kind of revealing to me in, uh, I guess you could say because I had always kind of thought that this meant Okay, I'll start this ministry right here because we got a problem, and I guess this is as good a place as any to start my ministry or my miracles. But I just that upon reading this into this lesson and studying this, it, it's it, it was very well meant for this to be the first miracle right here because Jesus was going to uh, show his divine power through. Uh, through a miracle that was um, in a very unusual way. And uh, to, he did so by, by um, you know, kind of discreetly in a way because he didn't want to show up uh, the wedding guest. I mean, imagine being at a, at, a, at a wedding and you're the bride and groom and Jesus performs his first, his first miracle there. What do you think would be the most important or the biggest event? You th what do you think the headline news would be? That there was a wedding and Joe and Sue got married? Or would it be there's a, there's a, a miracle performed there, the water became wine? You know, so Jesus, he knew that this was going to be the case. Another, another thing I want to point out is just in the terminology here. Um, he says, "Woman, what have you have? The, what does this have to do with us?" Um, that was not a derogatory term. If you were to, if you were to turn to your mother and now and say, "Woman, make me a meal," uh, that would be very, I guess, derogatory or very uh, disrespectful. But in this day and time, it was just a part of speech to say to, uh, you know, to, to a woman, use the word woman. Um, you know, it was also uh, said in John 19, 26, when, he, when uh, Jesus said, woman, behold thy son. So, you know, this was just the terminology of the day. Culture changes, language changes over time. And that's what this was referring to. But uh, Paul, did that answer your question fairly well? Or? Like you said, kind lady. Right. That's a good, kind lady. That's a good way of putting it, Mike. Um, 
it was very much not a derogatory term. Um, Right. She had faith that he could resolve it. I think so. That's a good point. better to ask this than you know the son of God but somebody that could could really resolve the problem and do it with a miracle if he wanted to you know So as we talked about, there were um, six, six uh, jars with uh, three firkins. A firkin is around 11 gallons, but most people say, you know, 10 for rounding purposes. And so we're talking 180 gallons of water was, was uh, you know, brought about for this. And um, so the water was brought to the governor of the feast, which is really the head waiter. And he was so impressed that the water had become wine. And another thing about this, it wasn't like, you know, there had to be some kind of a hocus pocus done over the wine or something like that. It was just like that. It became wine. And it was brought to the, uh, it was brought to the head waiter. And he was so impressed about, with it that he takes it, it takes away the embarrassment of, uh, of not having wine anymore. And he knew that great care had gone into this. And, you know, really the bride and the groom got the, kind of got the accolades for this. And Jesus didn't because it was discreet, as Mike had said. He really loved us, didn't he, Ken? He really, really loved us to do that. Um, that's a great point. Um, another thing that uh, should be pointed out, I had always wondered why the best wine was served first. Well, uh, 
Mr. Mazzalago, or Brother Mazzalago, kind of pointed this out in this lesson. He said that the best wine was usually served with the food at the beginning of the uh, festival because the taste buds were more acclimated to uh, tasting the uh, food and, and, you know, could get the maximum amount of satisfaction from tasting the food so you would have the good wine there or the good the good drink and um, but that's not what had happened here the best wine or the best drink was served last and so that's what was so startling to them to, for this to have happened uh, this showed Jesus humility and not upstaging the bride and groom um, and, and as um, I don't know whether Michael Ken said, this was very discreet. Only a few knew it. Uh, Jesus' brother, brothers didn't even know that this had happened, and they were there. But just a select few knew it, and of course the people who drank it knew it. But they, they, the ones that uh, did, only the, the ones who, who knew it had run out, you know, there was some who didn't, who didn't know about it at all. You know, the ones that, could have got him in trouble, put it that way. Um, let's see. You know, as, as uh, we talked about, it was, it was uh, just thought. And, you know, w- when the world was created, it was spoken into existence. So the power of God is, is very evident here. Okay, some of these are just some of the same verses that we had talked about that um, that we have already discussed. Good one, yeah. All right, going to get into the secretness of it, and we talked about it somewhat. And this was to over, not to overwhelm the the wedding feast. It was uh, it was not to uh, up, upstage anybody. Or anything like that. So that's what that was about. The the nature of it, of course, this was power over nature, and it was water to wine. And then I'm going to get into something controversial here, but uh, that's okay. Uh, how many of y'all think this was real wine or real alcoholic, great alcoholic drink? All right, we're going to talk about that a little bit here. Um, was it grape juice or was it wine? The Greek word onios is foaming or fermentation. First of all, it should be noted that wine had a much smaller content of alcohol in biblical times. It was as low as 3 to 6% alcohol, uh, mainly due to the sanitation issues with water before water with treatment. Uh, methods were available and I've got three articles that I'd like to read about this and um, first of all I, I, I not to be criticized but um, I thought it was a little bit uh, disappointing that in Brother Mazzalago's lesson uh, that he had and you can pull it up on Bible Talk TV and, and it's like 34 minutes you can sit there and watch it but when he gets to this point in the lesson, instead of coming out and saying what he thinks it really is or was, 
he has two web links to the lesson. One is kind of pro and one is kind of con. And I, and I didn't, you know, I, I, would, I, I do not think this was alcohol, just for the record. I'm going to read uh, this, this article here from Brother Ron Boatwright. He's the Beltline uh, Road Church of Christ minister in Irving, Texas. It says, The miracle of Jesus turning water into wine is found in John 2, 1 through 11. Some people try to justify the drinking of alcohol by saying that Jesus made alcoholic wine. But was the wine Jesus created alcoholic? When they ran out of wine at the wedding feast at Cana, Jesus had them fill six, six pots to the brim, each of which had 30 gallons apiece, a total of 180 gallons. When it was taken to the master of the wedding feast to taste, he was surprised and said, Every man at the beginning at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then he sets out the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. The good wine is in those days was grape juice that had not yet fermented. The Greek word onios, which is translated wine in the Bible, can be either fermented or unfermented wine. In Isaiah sixty five eight it says, Thus says the Lord as the new wine is found in the cluster, and one says, do not destroy it. What is the alcoholic content of new wine in a cluster of grapes? Zero. There is no alcohol in a cluster of grapes. Also, God says in Isaiah 16.10, no treaders will tread out wine in the presses. I have made their shouting cease. Again, we know the alcoholic content of a new wine that is being treaded out in grape presses is also nothing. This wine is only fresh grape juice. Jesus said in Matthew 9:17, "Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins will break the wine as spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. For they put new wine into new wineskins, or both are preserved. New wine, which is unfermented wine, as we have seen in Isaiah 16:10 and 65:8, is not placed into in, into old wineskins because the old wineskins probably have been contaminated with fermentation bacteria, which will ferment the new wine. If new wine is placed into old wineskins, then the new wine will become fermented, and fermentation gases will break the wineskins, and the wine will pour out. Jesus says that you put new wine, fresh grape juice, into new wineskins which have not been contaminated with fermentation bacteria, and therefore both are preserved. Jesus did not uh, create an alcoholic wine. God, God's word forbade giving alcoholic wine to someone else. Habakkuk 2.15 says, Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbor pressing him to the bottle, even to make him drink, drunk. But you may look on his naked, that you may look on his nakedness. Jesus would have not disobeyed God's word as found in Abaca and, and sinned if he had made alcoholic, if he had made alcoholic wine which was drunk by others. Hebrews 4.15 says that Jesus was in all points tempted as we are, yet he did not sin. 
Jesus never sinned or could he or or he could not have died for us. If he sinned, he would have had to die for his own sin. We have seen in the above scriptures that the wine Jesus made was not fermented. It was fresh grape juice, which was referred to as wine, onios. To say that Jesus made 180 gallons of fermented wine is really blasphemy. I kind of agree with this. Jesus, God's word says wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Uh, that's in Proverbs 20. Proverbs uh, 20, I think Chris uh, did a sermon on it, uh, a uh, class on this oh, six months ago or so, and it was a very good class about addiction to wine and to uh, uh, drugs and that sort of thing. And uh, that's a very strong, um, that's a strong rebuke of drinking uh, alcohol there. So there's another lesson here. Um, I don't know what time we have right here. How much time I have. See where I am on time, 10, 12, not very much. I'm going to skip this, this, uh, this one here, but I, the last article that I have has ten reasons that God would not allow, you know, that Jesus would not have made alcoholic wine. It says the first reason is because of his holy nature. A second reason is he would not contradict Scripture, which is back of 2, uh, 15 and Proverbs chapter 20. Uh, the third reason is that Leviticus 10, 9 and 10 commands the priest of God not to drink wine or strong drink. You know, Jesus was prophet, priest, and king. Uh, the fourth reason is found in a passage which we have already considered, uh, Proverbs 31, uh, 4 and 5, the, the, which prohibited kings and princes from drinking alcohol. Uh, reason five is that Christ did not come to mock or deceive people. Reason six is he didn't come to, come to send people to hell. Reason seven is that Christ did not come to cast a stumbling block before anyone. Reason eight is that he, there is no requirement that wine of John 2 be alcoholic. Reason nine is that, Je that Jesus would not have gotten glory from, man from making people drunk. And then last of all, that uh, is making drunk, drunk people drunker would not have caused his disciples to believe in him eventually. So... That's, um, that's what I have to say about that, and I, I'm open to anybody saying anything different. Uh, this was the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Um, so sign is a miracle, and signs point to something or some, uh, someone. Jesus had a confirmed that he, uh, his word that he could do a miracle. Uh, John 21, 24, 25 tells us that Jesus did many signs so that people would believe that he was the son of God. Uh, the sign, signs manifest that his glory was as the God-man. Um, after this, he went to Capernaum and he and his mother and his brothers for, for several days, and they stayed there a few days. Jesus returns home and stays there for a few days. So 
this is about where this lesson ends. Um, next week, we're going to take the latter part of the chapter and try to finish it up, and that's going to be on the first cleansing of the temple. Has anybody got any questions in this? Really not much time we have left here. Mark, just something to, to think about. Of course, I agree with you on uh, what uh, you read in the article about what Jesus, the miracle that Jesus did. But I guess my question would be if that being the case, and it is, then what was the old one? What was the old one? In the in, in in the Old Testament, or well, in, in this case, uh, because obviously the old wine had been, or it was perceived that it was the old wine that had been served first, but then when Jesus did the miracle and the new wine was served, that was the comment that was made. Right. You know, you, served, you gave the old, old wine first, but why did you? Well, how do we know that that was fermented? Because, yeah, because I, I mean, uh, it, it let, I mean, grape juice that's even 14 days old could not necessarily be fermented. You know, I don't know if the ferment. I'm not a drinker, so I don't know these things. But, but uh, I don't think you can. Can you ferment? Well, grape juice in 14 days? I don't know. Yeah. Right. I know that that's a, that's a, that's a point. But you know, a lot of people use this this very scripture as permission to drink, and I think that's not. In fact, I've seen that done, and it's very disheartening. But. Uh, Anyway, um, I appreciate the questions and comments.